Revelation 21. Let's pause in prayer together. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your very precious word. Uh, Again, we are going to remind ourselves of your great provision for us. Uh, When we come to the end of our time here uh, on earth, we know you have great provision for us, that you take us into your presence. And so we thank you, Lord, for this great truth. And as we uh, focus for a few minutes this morning on the subject of heaven, we ask that the Holy Spirit will use your word in our minds and in our thoughts. And uh, the time that we have together, may you truly be honored and glorified and that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher and uh, bless us as we come to the table as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Revelation chapter 21 is one of the key passages in Scripture with regards to our future as believers in heaven itself. Uh, The word heaven is a very interesting word. Uh, The very word itself uh, is symbolic with um, and synonymous with uh, beauty, comfort, peace, satisfaction, contentment. All these things are wrapped up in that one word. In fact, uh, in the adject... uh, Adjective form, uh, people use the word heaven. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say something like, Wow, this roast that I'm eating is heavenly. If you eat roast today, maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. But heaven is a very real place which God has prepared for those who have come to know his son as personal Savior. Remember, Jesus said to the disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. And heaven is also the Uh, dwelling place of God. We know that God's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. However, there is a central place in the uh, universe where God is located. There is the throne of God, and we will see it. We will be there in the future. I believe what is recorded in Revelation chapters 4 and 5 is describing a scene where we will be in glory with the Lord around the throne of God, And, of course, the key passage with regards to the fact that heaven is the throne of God is uh, Psalm 103, verse 19, where it says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. It's awesome to think about the fact that someday we're going to be in the very presence of God himself and see the person of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. It's absolutely awesome to see this. Now, when we think in terms of heaven, it's good to go to specific portions of Scripture like Revelation chapter 21. And obviously, we're not going to look at all of Revelation 21 and all of Revelation 22. But um, this is uh, the description here which the Apostle John gives to us is of the New Jerusalem. And this is the place where we will be dwelling uh, not only during the millennial kingdom but on into eternity. Um, The final chapters of the book of Revelation tell us the ultimate uh, vision of what happens when a believer dies and goes into the presence of the Lord. When we look at the passages of Scripture with regards to heaven, we get a new reminder that this world is not the end in itself. There are a lot of people who are very mindful of the fact that they're here on the earth and 
in their minds and their thinking, for many, this earth is all they really can look forward to. Many people uh, don't believe in the reality of heaven. They don't believe in the reality of a place called hell, which Jesus spoke about, as we saw last week. But it's very interesting. Uh, the material prosperity of our culture and times has caused even some believers to lose sight of the ultimate goal, the fact that we someday will be in heaven with the Lord. This life is not really it in terms of uh, our um, passion, uh, our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is being into the uh, presence of the Lord. In fact, I, I heard an illustration this past week. C.S. Lewis gave this illustration. Think in terms of a line that stretches all the way out uh, into infinity, a, one long line, a just real long line. And in the middle of that line, put a dot, just a dot. Well, that dot represents our time here on the earth. You see, we got all eternity before us, and our time here is just a dot. In fact, C.S. Lewis, uh, in his ability to view things and uh, think of things in his mind and heart, uh, he said, even within that dot, think of another little dot, and that's our life here. It's very brief. We do not think of our lives here as being brief, but the Word of God often talks about the brevity of human life. Um, a man by the name of Dave Hunt wrote a book entitled, What Happened to Heaven? And he said this, Unfortunately, too many persons, even dedicated Christians find such a topic, the topic of heaven, of only of minor interest. And one individual said not too long ago, how many songs do you hear now written about heaven in the future rather than things on the journey here below? That's an interesting question. It really is. Joe Stoll, former president of Moody Bible Institute, said this, Life is most despairing when lived as though this world is all we have. It can be very despairing to think that this is all we have, what we have in this life. As believers, though, we look forward to eternity with God and to the joys of heaven. We're going to just touch on them this morning. The joys of heaven and being in the presence of God forever and forever. So in Revelation 21 and 22, we have the most detailed account in all of the Bible, on what heaven will actually be like. Very interesting. Revelation chapter 21 tells us about the new heaven and the new earth in the very first verse there. Now I saw, 21.1, a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. An understanding of the word of God reminds us that this earth on which we live is going to be, as we sing sometimes, Don has some songs about the future of this earth. It'll be dissolved. It'll be changed. Um, and there'll be a new, totally new heaven and a totally new earth. In fact, if you'll keep your hand in Revelation 21 and go back with me to Second Peter chapter 3, I'd like you to look at this. This is, a, this is an encouraging portion of Scripture. You say, wow, is it really encouraging when we know that this earth is going to be burned up? Yes, it is. You'll see how the Apostle Peter handles it. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. 
in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, because this is going to happen, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? In other words, God is saying through the Apostle Peter, we ought to live in a certain way, knowing that the things of this earth are very temporary, but there's an eternity and future with God for us as believers. Now watch. Looking, verse 12, for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will burn, will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Wow. That's saying a lot. It really is. It's an awesome thing to know that, yes, this earth... As we know it today, it's going to be burned up. But we're not looking forward to that. We're looking forward to being in the presence of God in that new heaven and that new earth, which we will see in Revelation chapter 21. This old earth, this planet, and its atmosphere is going to be replaced for us as believers by a new heaven and a new earth. Now, I thought as we uh, think about being in heaven and having this new heaven and new earth, we ought to first think about what's it going to be like for us when we're there. 1 John chapter 3, keep your hand there in Revelation. Uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Very clear here, very interesting, very helpful. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, speaking to believers, now we are the children of God and has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but... Notice it says, but we know that when he is revealed, or when Jesus comes back again, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone, notice there's a response when we know what the future is going to hold. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Notice verse 3 is very clear, and it says we'll be like Christ. We're going to have bodies like our risen Lord. And uh, this is an awesome thing to comprehend and to think about when we think about our future in heaven. It's also mentioned by the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.21. The Lord shall change our lowly bodies that they might be fashioned like his glorious body. And let's think for a minute. Remember, Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and he rose again. And when he rose again, he rose in the resurrection body. And think about this with me for a minute. That body looked very much the same, okay, as it did before the resurrection. We, too, will be very recognizable when we're in heaven with the Lord. People often ask, well, how old will we be in heaven? Well, how old do you want to be in heaven? Some suggest because Jesus laid down his life at age 33 that everybody will look like they're age 33 in heaven. Okay, I, There's nothing in the Bible that substantiates that uh, at all. But one thing we do know for sure that we're going to have bodies. We're not going to be spirits floating around in heaven. We will have bodies and we will be recognizable uh, by those who we know and have loved for many, many years. 
being prepared for heaven. Well, the Lord's in the process of preparing us for heaven. You know, when we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it says in uh, Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you trusted the Lord as Savior, you were declared righteous. You were declared right before God. In a sense, when you look at that positional declaration of righteousness before God, now don't get this wrong, think it through, you're perfect before God as his child. Now experientially, Christians can fall into sin, Christians can wander away from the Lord, but you've been justified, you've been declared righteous in God's sight. However, it's very interesting in Hebrews chapter 10. I couldn't miss this verse. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14. And if you want to find a verse that really tells you that God's preparing you for heaven, it would be Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14. Wow, what a verse. Hebrews 10:14. I'm going to drop back at 10:10 where it says, "By that which by that will, that is the will of God, we have become sanctified, set apart through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. Because of Jesus' work on the cross and because your relationship to him, you've been set apart unto him. Verse 12, however, says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God in heaven. From that time, waiting until his enemies were made his footstool, or will be made his footstool. Verse 14, watch it carefully. But the whole, um, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Look at that verse again. I'm going to read it again. Repeat it. 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So again, it brings out two aspects of your sanctification. You have been perfected positionally. Remember before God, positionally. If you're saved, positionally, you're ready for heaven. Okay? But you'll notice it says those who are being sanctified. So yes, you've been set apart unto the Lord. But in your experience in this life, you go through trials. You go through needs. You go through very difficult times. And all these things God is using to prepare you for heaven. In other words, if you're not there yet, you're not prepared for it yet. So God continues to set you apart. He continues to allow things. And all of us would say, you know, there's sometimes that God allows things to come into my life or our lives, and we just don't understand why. That's true that that happens. We don't understand why. But you see, the Lord is sanctifying us. He's setting us apart. And when he calls you home... You will be ready to be in the presence of the Lord. Hebrews 10:14. By one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being here now sanctified. I hope you understand that truth. It's very, very important. In fact, uh, when you get to heaven, you will be, have a bo- be having a body like Christ, and you will be like Christ. You'll be the person that ultimately God wants you to be. In fact, the, the term glorified is used in Romans chapter 8, verse 30, where it says those he uh, justified, he sanctified. Remember, he's working in your life. And those he sanctified, he also 
glorified, and it's written by the Apostle Paul in Romans 8.30 in the past tense. That means God already looks at you and says, Believer, I'm working in your life, and you will be in heaven, and you will be like Christ. Wow. Oh, man. That's awesome to know that when you're in the presence of the Lord, you will be like Christ. Now, let's take a glance for a few minutes at this Revelation 21, uh, which was read for us already this morning. Uh, You'll notice there's seven new things that are mentioned in the passage. There's the new heaven, verse 1. There's the new earth, verse 1. There's the new Jerusalem, and that's the location that we will be at uh, or in when we're in heaven. Verse 2, there's the new world order, verse 5, where the Lord makes that statement, and we're going to repeat it again. Behold, I make all things new. There's the new temple, number 5 in verse 22. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. In other words, there won't need to be a physical building. We will be there in the presence of God. Of our God, and He provides for us the the uh, location, the uh, space in which we acknowledge Him, in which we worship Him. He's there. That's the point of the text. And then you go over to there's a new light in verse 23, where it says, "The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God illuminates it, and the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the light." Oh, boy, that's awesome. It really is. And then there's what's called the new paradise, and that's uh, described in 22 verses 1 through 5. So we're going to be absolutely amazed at the splendor and the grandeur of this brand new world, new heavens and new earth, which the Lord will put into place. Now, again, going back to 21 verse 1, you'll see the Apostle John says, And I saw... And I saw 21, 1 and 2. It's mentioned in both. But 21, 1, and I saw a new heaven, new earth. In other words, this is a vision that the Lord gave the Apostle John when he was in exile. And it reminds us that the book of Revelation, a lot of people say, well, you know, there's a lot of things that are difficult to understand in the book of Revelation. That's true. However, read the text, and it's amazing how, as you look at the text of Scripture, God tells us what we will be seeing in heaven. Um, The whole book of Revelation uh, looks forward to what God is going to be doing in the future. And uh, it's beautiful, this vision that God gave to the Apostle John, uh, revealing the fact that heaven is a very real place. Remember, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, Let's keep glancing at the text in verse 2. You'll notice he says, I saw a city. Now, we used to live in a small town in Nebraska and smaller town. Some people don't like cities. They don't like cities. Doak Sides doesn't like to drive down to Dallas. Um, some people don't. But you will like this city. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Read about it. It's going to be beautiful. You're not going to be saying, well, I wish I was in the countryside in Texas now. You won't do that. <laughs> There's a lot of landscape in Texas. It's very beautiful. This state's got a lot of very beautiful things to see. But um, this New Jerusalem is created by God very specially for us and for other believers 
uh, in the body of Christ. The church, uh, the family of God, will be there in the city, the holy city. Verse 2, the new Jerusalem. It has gates. Did you notice in verse 12, it has gates. Let your eyes glance at that. It has gates. There are 12 gates and there's 12 angels there. And she also had a great and high wall and 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. Names written on them which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Uh, notice its size, verse 16. The city has is laid out as a square and its length is as great as its breadth. They're, they're the same. And the city, he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Or about 1,400 miles. Some of your translations have that in there, do they not? The foundations. Verse 14. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations. On them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Uh, 12 foundation stones some translations have. It's walls. Wow. Look at verse 18. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. I'm looking at this, I'm saying, wow, this is absolutely beautiful. Look up on your uh, internet what jasper stone is. Beautiful. Beautiful. What a place this will be. And this is the place where we as believers will be residing when we're in heaven. Um I notice it says again in verse 1, and a lot of people ask this, 21.1. It says, um, I saw new heaven, new earth, first heaven had passed away, and there was no more sea. No more sea. Now, I enjoy going to see the ocean. I really like it a lot. I'd like to do it about once a year. Now, what does it mean, no more sea? Well, there's a couple possibilities of translation. I think I know what the right translation is. I'm waiting for a laughter on that. Um, the one translation is that the sea represents the nations of the earth because it says in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, that the Antichrist comes out of the sea referring to the nations of the earth. So uh, there won't be the nations of the earth in the new heavens and new earth, like there is today. There won't be the China, there won't be the Russia and all that. But um, when it says no more sea, I hold with those who believe that it's referring to the fact that um, there won't be the oceans as we know them to be. Um, with the salt water, uh, the idea is most of the earth now is, um, the surface of the earth is covered with water. But that's not how it's going to be with the new earth. There won't be so much water covering the earth. And uh, the water that will be covering the earth will be purified water. Uh, it won't be salt water. Uh, that's the idea behind the statement, there will be no more sea. Uh, there won't be the vast amount of water on the earth uh, that is the new earth. And then John says in verse 2, I saw the new Jerusalem. Now remember the book of Revelation was written around A.D. 95. The old Jerusalem, which John, of course, knew about, was destroyed by Titus the Roman emperor in 70 A.D. 
And so he's saying, oh, God's going to have for us as a people a new Jerusalem. 70 A.D., Jerusalem was leveled to the ground. But that's the city that God chose. And he's going to prepare for us a new Jerusalem in which we will dwell as believers. It's a brand new city. How awesome. And you'll notice the text says uh, clearly it's prepared as a bride. Um, And the bride, of course, is the bride of the Lamb of God. And uh, the point is that God is preparing a beautiful, permanent place for us to live forever as the bride of Christ, the Lamb of God. 21.9, it's stated there clearly. You'll notice at the end of verse 9, it says, Come, and I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. So uh, we will be joined in, in intimacy with God, and that's why it's recorded as it is. You know, some people said, well, when I get to heaven, you know, there'll be millions of people there. Will I be able to talk to the Lord? Think it through a minute. There'll be millions of people there. And yes, there'll be the Father, a, a, um, a uh, manifestation of the Father. There will be the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will see him in his resurrected body. And I believe there will be a manifestation of the Holy Spirit there, that we're going to know that all three persons of the Godhead are there in heaven. Now, what are you going to say to somebody who says, well, you know, I'm going to heaven, but uh, will I really be able to talk to the Lord? What are you going to say to him? Yes is right. There's too much in the Word of God that tells us that when we're in glory, we will be communicating with our God. And I don't have any of those passages right in front of me this morning, but yes, you will be able to come into the presence of God. And um, even now, as a believer, you are able to talk to the Lord and communicate with Him about your desire to live for Him, to please Him, and also for Him to work with the needs and concerns of your own life. Heaven is going to be a very awesome place. God will dwell with us. We will be his people, as it says in verses 4 and 5. He will be our God. He will wipe away all tears. There's going to be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. And again, key verse, key verse, don't miss it. Verse 5, behold, I make all things new. That's a very important summary statement. Now let me mention this and it will bring us to the table together. First of all, an accurate view of heaven provides perspective in times of trouble and suffering. You see, many Christians go through a lot of trials in this life. But they can be encouraged, and we can be encouraged, and you can encourage others to know that these trials, these difficulties, they're going to end. And someday you'll be in the presence of your Lord who paid for your life on the cross of Calvary. The Apostle Paul, he experienced... um, Beatings, imprisonment, persecution, all kinds of things. But he said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inner man is renewed day by day. I'll tell you what will help you out a lot. Realizing that the day is coming when he's going to call us home and he's going to ask us to be in his presence. He's going to call us home. And it's going to be a glorious place more glorious than we can ever imagine. And, of course, the glory of heaven is going to be seeing the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, Brian Rungaitis went home to be with the Lord not too long ago. And uh, he sees Christ right now today. He sees the Lord. 
The Apostle Paul said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Secondly, an accurate view of heaven provides clear priorities here in this life, especially when we're under pressure. Jesus said to his disciples, he said clearly to his disciples, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, what we do down here actually is preparing us for our place in glory. Everybody in heaven will be in a glorious place, but there will be rewards, there will be blessings that will be piled up and stored and reserved for you in glory as you live for Christ down here. As you live for eternity, eternal things, and give your time and resources for eternal things, you're investing of your, uh, in your future in heaven with the Lord. Very interesting. And lastly, an accurate view of heaven provides perspective on the certainty of future judgment. You see, those who don't know the Lord, as we heard last week, they're going to spend eternity separated from God. And the Bible talks about a, a great white throne judgment. And, and every person's going to stand before God. Every single person that's ever been born. Nobody's going to be exempt. They're not going to be exempt because of where they lived or who they belonged to. Every person will stand before God. And those who don't know the Lord will be placed into outer darkness. But those of us who know Christ as Savior, there will be a judgment in the future, but it's not a judgment of condemnation. It's a judgment of commendation where the Lord says, wow, enter into the joy of the Lord. Where the Lord may say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You stayed true to me. A lot of trials came into your life. A lot of things happened to you. Well done. You did wonderful for me for your glory, for the Lord, for his uh, glory. So heaven is an awesome place, and it affects how we live our lives today. Preparation for the Lord's table. I guess the greatest thing we can say is thanksgiving to the Lord that he took care of our sins on Calvary. And I love Isaiah 53, that passage that looks forward to the death of Christ on the cross for us and helps us as we come to the table in Isaiah chapter 53 where we read he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we've turned everyone to his own way but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all when we come to the table let, let's come with thanksgiving and say Lord wow you're such an awesome God. You not only have forgiven me of my sins here and now, but you've prepared a place for me in glory, and uh, you've made it possible for me to have a relationship with you all because of your death on the cross. So let's prepare our hearts for the Lord's table. The Lord wants us to have communion. You do not have to be a member of our fellowship to partake of communion. But you should talk to the Lord before you have communion. The Lord says, let a man examine himself and then eat the bread and drink the cup. So we should look at our hearts and say, Lord, is there something, uh, maybe there's some sin there. Maybe there's something displeasing to you. And so what do we do? If we confess our sins, he is very faithful and just 
to forgive us of our sins. So a few moments of quietness as we prepare our hearts for the table. And we can do it in many ways. If you have something you want to confess, you might want to say, you know, my attitude <laughs> towards some people this week was terrible. Or, um, you know, I said things that I really shouldn't have said. I thought things that I really shouldn't have been thinking. Well, we can confess that to the Lord. Maybe sometimes sins of omission. You say, well, you know, there's some things I should have done this week. I neglected my Bible. I neglected my prayer time a certain amount of the time. Confess it to the Lord. He's not shocked by this. He loves you very much. He's willing to forgive. He's a forgiving God. We need to remember that when we come to the table. So a few moments of quietness where you can confess anything you want to confess. Maybe you just want to give thanks. Maybe you're already totally in fellowship with the Lord. And you want to say, Lord, I thank you that you've not only forgiven me of my sin, but you've prepared for me a place in heaven for all eternity and future. And this life, while it seems to be long, is very brief. And eternity, oh, you've prepared a beautiful, glorious place for me. And I anticipate, Lord, seeing you face to face.